a better future podcast building a better future one change at a time welcome to another episode of a better future podcast i'm corinne i'm jay and i'm dawn hey dawn's with us so dawn's been on the podcast before uh we've interviewed her but now she's uh taken uh a step into our world and being a regular podcaster so welcome back Dawn thank you very much lovely to be here so I wanted to talk I want you to tell us first actually (laughs) you've got you've just today started a challenge haven't you I have yeah and uh, I think our listeners would be really interested to hear about that challenge so take it away okay so uh, a few months ago um a concerned worldwide UK um, fundraising challenge came to my attention and it's called the Ration Challenge. It's been in existence for a few years now, uh, started by an Australian couple um, three or four years ago. And it's really trying to highlight the issue of um, people living in refugee status in particular parts of the world, but also to raise money to provide um, food rations as well as education and other support for for people living in refugee camps. Mm -hmm. Um, And it sounded like an interesting idea. So I signed up. Then a couple of weeks ago, my ration box uh, actually arrived and it kind of hit home what I'd signed up to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And today is my first day. So I've had my first ration challenge lunch just before you guys um, uh, arrived. And I'm living on the same rations um, that a refugee living in a camp in Jordan. So these are people who have been displaced from Syria, mainly, um, would get for a given week. Okay. So I am, yeah, drinking a cup of hot water while you guys are enjoying (laughs) your tea. Sugary tea. Yeah. Um, So I've got some basic rations that have been sent. I have um, just under two kilos of rice. 400 grams of flour, 170 grams of split red lentils. I have 85 grams of dried chickpeas, which really does not look very much at all. Um, A can of sardines, which I'm going to talk a little bit more about in a minute, and a can of red kidney beans. Mm -hmm. Bottle of oil, 330 ml of veg oil, and that is it. So that's per day, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) So that is for the week. Um, and through our fundraising, through fundraising efforts. So I think as an incentive to raise as much money as we can Mm -hmm. to obviously support, uh, people living in that situation. Um, the charity have put in, uh, a way of earning rewards essentially. So that's based on the fact that people that have been displaced and are living in camp are still resourceful, intelligent human beings, Mm -hmm. and they may well be able to either barter things, sell things that they've made, mm-hmm. um, or get the odd bit of work uh, or pay, paid um, income in other ways. And so they can boost their rations, basically. Mm-hmm. So, But I have earned, by my fundraising efforts so far, people's generosity, I've earned the addition of um, seven tea bags. So I will have a cup of black tea to enjoy every morning for the seven days of the challenge that's fantastic thank you everybody um i will have um one spice Mm -hmm. so i have lots of debate about which spice to go for it couldn't be a mix so i've gone for cumin as my spice i then reached the next level up of a reward and got some salt because actually the large part of the diet is um is rice is the basic white rice so actually the thought of eating 
nearly two kilos of rice across a week without any salt was, you know, so that was quite nice to get mm. the salt. Then the next reward I unlocked was uh, to add in 170 grams of a vegetable. Again, just one type. You can't mm. mix, uh, put a mix together. Um, but for me, I think that is possibly going to be the biggest part of this challenge is not having fresh fruit and vegetables mm-hmm. and, and a sort of a mixed mixed uh, diet in that way. So I've gone for spinach because psychologically it being green, I think it's going to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously it's great for you as well. So goes well with dal. Too. Goes well with dal and, and the other ingredients yeah. that I've been given. And then just uh, at the end of last week, I hit another... Um, reward of an extra 120 grams of protein so I'm going to add to my chickpeas so I end up with um, just over 200 grams of chickpeas to make into falafel type things or hummus type stuff so you're getting inventive with what what your ingredients rather than just having chickpeas you're going to make something out of the chickpeas that's it that's it so um so with the sardines because I'm veggie uh part of the um ration challenge toolkit that got sent and information it says obviously that if you are on a particular diet you can swap those things in um so i've swapped the 120 grams of my sardine protein and i've gone for almonds it's a little bit controversial on the ration challenge um uh, support group but, uh, um, page on facebook but uh for me and the way that my life works on a day-to-day basis going to work i think that's going to You've only got about out. four in there anyway. It's 15 grams <laughs> of almonds per day. So it's, you okay. know, so it's still the okay. same amount of protein. Yeah. And again, because as a long-term veggie, you know, I eat a lot of nuts and seeds every mm-hmm. day. So it's kind of make sure that I'm still fit and healthy and able to do a week's work. So I'm still teaching and training mm-hmm. uh, as a normal week uh, this coming week. So I want to kind of be not too hangry and grumpy and, <laughs> and, and able to actually do my do my job. We talked about that just a minute mm. ago about how you wanted to see how it affects your ability to yeah run, uh, and and work and work and, work and yeah that's it so you know it's not just the fact that i think that's a really um a cause worth supporting i feel that particularly that situation with syrian refugees has kind of uh we don't see that as much on news cycles anymore yeah. but mm-hmm. obviously there's still all of those people i've been looking up some numbers and we are talking about 5.6 million people have fled Syria since 2011. 6.6 million people are internally displaced, so they might still be in the country, but they're not in their homes. Mm-hmm. And of those 6.6 million, 2.98 million are held uh, in really hard-to-reach areas, basically. So to get people's rations and stuff and medical help, it's really, really difficult. So the money that I'm raising and other people that are doing the ration challenge is going to go to support mainly um, the 650-odd thousand people who are living in Jordan, um, you know, who have been displaced from Syria, basically. Mm-hmm. So, but there was a couple of other strands, really, to the challenge that I felt it was necessary for me to do. And one is that I think it's good for us to remind ourselves of how privileged we are Mm -hmm. every so often. You know, we live in, uh, uh, well, I'm going to use the term relative at the moment, but we live in a a relative democracy. I have (laughs) my friends and family around me. You know, I've just spent some time off with friends and family and they're all safe and well. They're not, you know, um, in, uh, in imminent danger. 
Um, I have access to clean, safe drinking water. I've got the ability to cook the food that I've been Mm -hmm. given as my rations uh, really easily. Um, You know, I have meaningful job, all of those things, lots Mm -hmm. of freedom and choice. So that's one. The second strand was um, climate change, actually, because there is, um, you know, recognition that actually people are going to or have been displaced or will continue to be displaced more and more by, um, you know, things linked to to climate change, either um, extreme weather events, Mm -hmm. droughts, um, you know, impacts on um, livelihoods, that kind of thing, or sea level rise. Another strand that's really important for me as someone who who sees, you know, children, young adults uh, and adults, in my professional capacity is that I know some of those people will have been um, in food poverty or hungry Mm -hmm. when they come to see us Um, and to actually know what that is like because I might have had points in my life where I haven't been awash with funds but I've never gone to bed hungry woken Mm -hmm. up hungry you know had to exist go to either school college or work um, in that state Um, so yeah so those kind of three strands really fed in then to to make it um kind of for me a worthwhile challenge to, mm-hmm. to put myself through so i've tried to approach it without uh, too much selfishness if you like but mm-hmm. lots of people actually with the fundraising have responded to the fact that they might know what i'm like when i don't get enough to eat <laughs> and um have wanted to me to uh, earn my rewards but it also is a way of having those conversations, raising awareness, mm-hmm. getting people to think about people in needs. Um, yeah, so it's, it's it's been interesting so far. I think the support through the charity and some of the toolkit things that they've given us have been really useful, um, including, you know, how to talk about it on social media, some of the responses that you might get mm-hmm. from people who might want to take, uh, take you to task about why you're supporting a particular a particular charity mm-hmm. um so that's been interesting but yeah so i'm gonna see i'm feeling positive good i'm glad i've got some you know stuff that i've cooked up with my lentils and spinach and my lovely red kidney beans uh stashed in the freezer so i don't have <laughs> to spend too much time cooking this week i don't want to spend too much time in the in the kitchen yeah. um with all of my all the food i'm not allowed to have all stashed away in the cupboards mm-hmm. Um, you have to take a picture of like, oh. what, like <laughs> once you've set up like how much it is yeah. just so that we can so, have a picture and share see. it with the yeah, yeah I mean the box in your kitchen yeah it's like it's not very eight big bo- eight books stacked up yeah it's not massive it's not big yeah. and I think if people are really interested in even just having a think about um what it might mean in a small way I've got 400 grams of flour for the week. So that's less than a standard half a bag of flour you might go and get from the corner shop or the supermarket. So me being me, I've kind of worked out what that equates to per day. Um, So I've got 50 grams of flour per day for my breakfast. So I'm going to make some flatbreads with that each Mm -hmm. morning. And then I've got an extra 50 grams left over for some treats, maybe some pancakes uh, later in the week when I'm feeling really, really angry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But actually, if you wanted to go away and, you know, weigh out 50 grams of flour, mix it with some water, make it into a dough, and then make it into a couple of flatbreads and see what that might 
look like. Sounds massively tasty. It sounds yeah. like water, just bread, flour, and yeah. then just fry yeah. it up. And yeah, yummy. That's yeah. it. Yeah. But this is that's the whole thing, isn't yes. it? Like we were talking about the swap for the sardines mm. and the and the almonds, and mm. and you don't you don't like the kidney beans either, no. do you? You've got no. kidney beans to yeah. eat, but yeah. you don't you don't no. get that, do you? Just no. so if you're hungry, you're gonna. Eat what's Which, there. you know, I grew up in a place where I'm like, oh, mum, I really don't like Brussels sprouts. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> Fine, we don't have the Brussels sprouts growing because I don't need that. There'd be something else I can eat. And that's yeah. it. That's yeah. that privilege bit you're talking yeah, about there, exactly isn't it? Exactly that. Yeah. It's also what was fascinating. Um, the, the charity have been uh, live streaming some recordings they've been doing out in camps in Jordan. And they were interviewing one of the women who is herself uh, a refugee and she is one of the people who um works out when the rations come in um who gets what in the camps because yeah. the charity are very conscious they don't want if you like outsiders coming in and making those decisions because mm -hmm. that's not really how we mm -hmm. want to support those communities um so this lovely lady was talking about how she and the people she works with tries to make those decisions because actually not everybody gets even that yeah it has to be prioritized yeah, yeah. so mm -hmm. it is uh, about you know young families um, anyone who might be unwell or, or elderly um and when you realize that mm -hmm. it, it it brings it into even starker yeah. uh, perspective really how privileged we are um so yeah, it's going to be an interesting experience, and I, I, I've, I think I know what it's going to be like, but but you've really never but, been but hungry. I, yeah. But I've yeah. never been hungry. Before. And that's kind of the point, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, even getting yeah. a bit hangry, yeah. like mm, yeah. you know, if just because you're you've got all these terrible things in the world, you're probably probably going to get a bit hangry as well. Yeah. The emotional yeah. Yeah. kind of thing yeah, yeah. of being displaced. Yeah. It's just one thing on top well, of another. Well, I haven't been bombed. I haven't seen family members killed. I mm -hmm. haven't been driven up by a tank. I haven't had to flee my home and leave all of my belongings and my family. I know where they all are. I haven't left husbands or brothers or sisters or aunts behind. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's one of the children that uh, is mentioned in the Ration Challenge Toolkit book, Omar, and he is now 11 and he's been living in camp for the last seven years. So that is all of his childhood yeah. is is there. That's his only experience. Um, and, you know, through the support of people, um, sponsorship like I'm doing or, or giving to the charity themselves directly, he's having an education. He has an adequate amount to eat. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say enough because actually even the standard rations um is well below kind of a calorie intake for, for for an adult or for a child and actually for me thinking about um you know what we might consider a healthy um, balanced diet for for a small child you know with the nephew in mind um if you're living on rice and lentils and chickpeas um you know that isn't that so yeah. it's fuel it's, fruit and veg yeah, there, it's absolutely mm. fuel and it'll keep you going mm. but it's not uh it's not what we might consider a good... good. Yeah. Um, but if anyone did want to sponsor you, mm -hmm. they still can? They still can, yeah. Yep. I think the sponsorship is open until the end of this month, the end of June. Um, and uh, you can find my page just by typing in my full name, Dawn Preston, onto the, onto the website. Um, my current target is £634. Mm -hmm. so I'm well on the way. 
And the reason I've chosen that quite random number is that is the amount of money it would take to provide some livelihood training for women women living in the refugee camps um, to enable them to have the tools to perhaps start their own business okay. and then become self-supporting with their families. Great. Um, so wow. that's great. Yeah. So what, what's the, sorry, just what, what is that website where people can sponsor you? The Ration Challenge website is rationchallenge.org.uk and that will also link you through to the Concerned Worldwide mm-hmm. um, webpage as well and talk about all of their other work that they do, not just um, in Jordan, but in other places across the world. Awesome. So people can head Take over there and sponsor Dawn on this That's challenge a, yeah. a, for a good cause. Yeah, thank wow. you. Yeah. No, I, ju- I just think it's brilliant. You know, we, the whole point of this podcast and all sorts of things about what we try and do is to, you know, we look at things which are really bad and you know you look at things with the wars going on and people being displaced and you mm. just don't have any idea what you can do other than the odd donation or something whereas this is a really difficult challenge to kind mm. of understand just a small fragment of yeah. what those people are going through and, and build more empathy with mm. that and empathy yeah it's incredible really go on then challenge me so, as we've just spoke about Dawn's upcoming challenge, or current cha- challenge, we thought we'd uh, update, because there was uh, either on the last, or the, even maybe even the one before, we spoke about um, how much time we spend on our phones, um, and whether we could reduce that, and we set ourselves a challenge, and I'd just got an app to track how long I'd been on it, so we're going to check it kind of live now, <laughs> and see how we got on. Do you want to go first, Jay? Jay's yeah. not on his phone that much, but I'm, are you on other devices more? Is that why you can keep it down? Well, I guess, I mean, I work on my laptop, yeah. either at work or at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just looking at it now, I do go on my phone a fair bit. <laughs> Apparently I'm 13% down from last week. Okay. But you say it's quite dependent on what you're up to, really, yeah. isn't it? So, so what's your average sort of time? So looking at this, the average is just under two hours. A day, and most of that is either entertainment or or Facebook and Twitter and Messenger things. Mm-hmm. So that's probably. I mean, a lot of that's me on Spotify or something, mm-hmm. listening mm-hmm. to other podcasts. podcasts. <laughs> yeah. like that. So you wouldn't necessarily be looking at the screen. For all Not of that time. Yeah. So that's what I found because I've recently mm. also got Spotify. So mm. it's really increased my time. I mean, mine's going to sound terrible. What did, what did you say your average time was? Uh, well, it's an hour and 14 Okay, minutes. get ready for that, guys, because <laughs> that would be an uh, epic good day of mine. Although I've just opened the app and it's told me that I hit my pickup goal yesterday, which means that I didn't pick up and look at my phone as much as I usually do. <laughs> so I think that's the first time I've ever had that come up. Um, I spend 13% of my waking life. That's just today, though, because it's usually more than that, let's be honest. Here we go. It's loading. <laughs> <laughs> Should not have be doing this live. <laughs> I mean, it, it's very dependent. on things. I find, like, I was just looking at Thursday and my time on social media was really high because... I was sat watching Twitter whilst I was watching Question Time, right. which is always yeah. great, yes. watching what yeah. people are posting yeah. and things like that. Yeah. But it kind of boosts things up. But, yeah, there's um, a 
big big chunk of things. I mean, I, the entertainment's really shot up because we were just recording some podcast stuff using my phone, which has just put a big right, orange big chunk yeah. on my graph for that. So, mm. yeah, it really depends what you use it for. But so there's one day when it's five and a half hours, but that is a day five I work. And a half hours. Yeah, but it's a working from home day. That's a Tuesday. I work from home on a Tuesday. I oh, know. Sorry, that's a Monday. But I do work on a Monday as well. But Sunday, two hours and 43 minutes. Wow. So that's a lot less. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I shouldn't be working, so there's no excuse there. Saturday, two hours, 46 minutes. Very, very precise. Yeah. Four hours, that's a lot. That's more time than I really want to be spending. That's a really long time. Mm. Okay, you all seem really concerned about me now. So what's the app that you're using to track it? Uh, this is called Moment. So this okay. is on Samsung, but I think on an iPhone it does it for... You have it anyway. Yeah, it's built in. Yeah. Right, okay. But Samsung, I don't think, have anything no, like that, so no. I downloaded this. Um, yeah, since we started, the, I maybe... I think I st- went on it more. I'm not sure I, I went yeah. down. Is it, does it give you alerts and says, by the way, you're... Yeah, it, I, I've even because you can set it so it, it dings at you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You can set an alarm to when you've done your screen right. time to. Yeah. Be, but what I just found was is that I just turned the volume of that down. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got, I think I've got a problem, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be interesting to know what the, the stats are on you know average use for mm-hmm. a UK adult because I suspect you're probably well within you know normal mm. or, or average limits. And I does think it for also my weekend days, but maybe not the working. Maybe I should work more off the laptop. Yes, it's just probably. the ease with the social media. The pictures are on my phone. I'm uploading yes. them to social media, and oh, yeah. I don't know if I'm using it as an excuse. I'm not sure. Is this mm. what someone with a problem does? I'm not sure. I, possibly <laughs> five <laughs> hours in a day is. Quite I'm working incredible. hard, guys. How, I'm how working hard. How many times hard. do you charge your phone a day? Is it? Is it once. last for a day? Sometimes, sometimes twice, but mostly once. Wow. Yeah, overnight. Got a good battery, Samsung's. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, are you worried about that? Are you? Like I said, let me see. But I'm going to go away and I'm going to do most of my work from a laptop and see if that time goes down because that would be yeah. the real telltale sign. Yeah, I yeah. think we should revisit this. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Well, so we'll ongoing back to challenge. That. Yeah. It's a never-ending challenge. Yeah, I think so. The way things go, um, and obviously we will post up. Lots of social media things about yeah. the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's so. it. So I'm sitting here thinking and listening to you talk about your your screen time challenge, mm-hmm. and in a way, uh, the flip side of that is um, Thirty Days Wild, which is a wildlife trust. Um, uh, scheme that they run through June every year. They ask people to challenge themselves to do something wild at least once a day, hence 30 days wild. And I've been doing all right. I'm, you know, I'm out and about um, in nature a lot for my job. But actually, with my week off, I've struggled the last couple of days. I have struggled um, just through circumstances, things that I had planned. Um, but that's kind of looking at the same issue just from a different slant, yeah. really. So yeah, just yeah. to make sure that we're getting out into wild spaces, keying into wildlife around us. Again, you know, with a really big emphasis on um, how it can promote our um, good mental health and well-being. well-being yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I've got that running through the rest of the month okay. too. Um, so that might be worth... What people, kind of things looking. count then? Because I'm outdoors so, a lot for work, but yeah. I don't think... 
and I do, I do look around and I enjoy yeah. it and I love it and I think I'm very lucky but am I experiencing it am I doing something as you say wild yeah. I, I don't think know. it's aimed it's aimed quite a lot at children and young people because mm-hmm. they we really do want them to have those uh, connections to to the outdoors mm-hmm. um, but there's a fantastic app and it will give you hints and suggestions. So, you know, it might be take your shoes and socks off and walk across the grass. Okay. Or, yeah. um, you know, with the rainy day that, that we had yesterday, there was lots of people out and about, you know, experiencing the weather, splashing in puddles, okay. floating things, watching things, um, seeing what the birds are doing. Or you might be, you know, give yourself the uh, opportunity to get up a little bit earlier one morning and listen to the dawn chorus okay. uh, those kinds of relatively simple things and often completely free to mm-hmm. do yeah um but just might give you that little hook back into you know where we are where you are where your nearest green space is what is the wildlife around you um, so it's not all driving out to somewhere fancy and seeing yeah. a, a special bird what's, what's type yeah. of thing. It's very everyday things. Yeah, yeah. yeah, awesome. It's a nice time of year to do it as well, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I was going around our field yesterday just taking pictures of all the different wildflowers. Yes. And I mean, I do do that. Me and Steve oh, have been noticing yes. all the blackberries are start, the bushes are now starting to flower. Yeah. And we're looking forward to, you know, picking them on our little yeah. travels around the field. Yeah. <laughs> Even my... Um, my ride home on the bike because mm-hmm. it was tipping it down yesterday. It was horrible, yeah. and it just rained on my way to work and on my way back. Just to kind of <laughs> didn't really do it in the middle, but you know. Um, but I went through a bit near our field where there's loads of wild garlic, and Lovely. just the smell mm-hmm. of that is incredible. Yeah. And you know, when you're kind of riding along and you're drenched and you've been mm-hmm. cycling for half an hour in the rain, just suddenly coming across this kind of wall of garlic, yeah. it's just like. Oh, I can get up the final hill. I can smell yeah. this like. Well, when yeah, I walked incredible. into Dawn's place today, I just instantly smelt the flowers, didn't yeah. I? I was like, "Oh, it smells <laughs> lovely." Yeah. It yeah. Really so it's kind of yeah, getting out there and and just experiencing even just That's a little it. bit a day. That's so it. So does it smell like? Because I, I mean, the roses at the moment are amazing. Yes. So mm. does that count? Like, oh, yeah. today I went and put my I face went, in a rose. I went out and <laughs> smelt the roses. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> it's uh, you know, it could be something you went out and you planted some seeds for some you know good plants of pollinators, or mm-hmm. um, I don't know, you went and got a new plant for your pond, or you have. Um, uh, rescued a bee or any uh, like hundred million things all right, actually. you, know, you probably yeah. do it i think for, for lots of people again it's it's um it's a way of possibly giving people a really easy in if that's mm-hmm. not an everyday part yeah. of their life in the way yeah. that it might be for, for you and yeah. i already yeah. um but also to reinvigorate an interest you know it's well known for not phenomenon in my industry that you know children and young people are often very interested in nature and wildlife they go through their teenage years and other things become a priority mm-hmm. so you know when people become a young adult particularly when they might start to have families of their own or be around uh young children again they want to kind of get back in touch with with that stuff and, and reconnect yeah. so it's lots of really simple things to do mm-hmm. um, what i really liked about the campaign from the wildlife trust this year is that not only could you get um a digital download pack for yourself as an individual or a family you could get one for your work so you know if you're a, an office or a business or a school or a care home or somewhere okay. where, uh, you know, you have um, um, elderly uh, residents. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's lots of things and ideas in there that people can do if they've got less mobility, mm-hmm. that, that kind of thing, or hearing or or sight loss. 
um, so people can still get involved, which is great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I'm going to think keep... those uh, those seed bombs are great for kids, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. I've, uh, Nat got me some for my birthday, and we've got this little area at the front of our house that we try to uh, make pretty with yeah. gravel and mm. blah, blah. anyway the weeds beat us and mm-hmm. do you know what in the end I just went okay weeds you can stay yeah and now I'm like let's make it mental then yeah. let's get the, the poppies are coming up yeah, and I'm hoping I that, that I we set all four bombs off in this quite yeah. small area so I'm hoping next year that it'll Fantastic. just be B central yeah can't wait but yeah it does look most people be like wow they yeah. uh, need a swimmer <laughs> <laughs> what you need there's also and I'm not sure who who's running it I'll have to look it up for you is you can get a little blue heart um um, like a stake thing to go in the ground mm-hmm. and then people will know it's not just the fact that you haven't oh, okay. done anything so, with your so front garden that so it is deliberate people, yeah. because often if people are trying to sort of make a, a wildflower area the first couple of years will be uh, interesting yeah. you know it might not might not look like you want it to or provide the, the, the range of food sources that you might want it to um, but you know so we encourage people if you're doing something that is a positive thing yeah I like to, that. To, to let people to let your neighbours know because you know, imagine or, if you come home one day and your friendly, lovely neighbour was yeah, out there and they thought, oh, I've, I've, I've tidied your garden for you. And yeah. you'd be like, no. Yeah, or come along and moan it, you know, because yeah. lots of people are trying to mow their lawns less or, yeah. or let, let mm-hmm. the grasses and, and wildflowers grow. So. Well, the field we rent, uh, they would just mow the whole thing. if we, mm. But we're like, can you leave? And we're trying to make it bigger and bigger and the grass is growing. It's beautiful. But, yeah, they would just do the whole lot yeah. of food. So. I think that's, that's a really good idea because... Mm. I've seen it before where a, a local authority's not mowed areas mm. intentionally mm-hmm. and then I, we've been out walking the dog talking mm. to people going, oh, isn't this really lovely? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, for God's sake, the council yeah. couldn't be bothered to do this bit. Yeah. And you're like, no, they did Tell, this on and purpose. And this is like... Yeah. So education need, as well at the same time, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you do need something there that kind of says this mm. is intentional, intentional. Mm-hmm. and this is the reason why and... Yeah. to encourage other people to do it but also so they don't see it as a negative that's it because um, it, it's not a straightforward thing as just not bothering to mow because mm-hmm. you still have to manage that area otherwise it just the nutrients go up and then yeah. it, you just end up with grass again mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's yeah sometimes people see it as an easy cop out mm-hmm. but actually you know needs managing and just so. not as much maybe well potentially okay. Yeah, okay. You know, if you you know just mowing somewhere you just mow over it a few times a year mulch mm. it mm. and leave it if you're just doing grass but if you're doing wildflowers you need to mm-hmm. cut and remove to cut at a certain time of year and yeah, yeah it's a bit more sometimes you mowing's might... actually really hard i did it for the first time up the field so we have the paddock <laughs> and obviously the big the big tractor won't fit in there so jason lent me the the lawnmower and i've never i've just never done it never wow. done it and i thought oh okay really excited wasn't i to give it a go i did two it's rows really and i went yeah that's wow. not as fun as i thought no. No. <laughs> we had to we were really very boring. very lucky as kids 80 foot back garden so raking not necessarily mowing but as a kid raking grass is a big memory for me from boring from, as well from, i thought from my childhood i'd be yeah. more helpful doing a raking yeah. and, and, and yeah. i was like yeah no that's boring as well <laughs> <laughs> it was just watching you trying to start the mower we've got quite oh. a funny photo of you. Oh. About, yeah yeah, you have to really give us, give, us a, give it some welly. Yeah, didn't like it at all. So not my job anymore. <laughs> so wildflower area is definitely a plus for you. Yeah, then. for me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's all about the, getting people to reconnect with nature. Yeah, absolutely. That's what the challenge is about. Yeah, Which it. I think leads us on quite nicely to, to 
some of the things that we've spoken about between the three of us about the terminology of what hmm. what words actually do people feel more connected to and what what rings a bell for them more what makes some really serious things seem serious and what mm. makes other things just seem more like the natural planet and all mm. of the the nature and what does nature mean to you and all that kind mm. of stuff so I don't know if you guys wanted to start us off on that yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, no I know it's different what language you use to describe things is, is quite contentious isn't it mm-hmm. I think I mean an example of that even in the media this week with um Mr. Trump, when he was pushed on climate change and had the most roundabout answer of just saying, no, I don't believe in climate change, mm-hmm. but was going on about talking about global warming it and used how, to be called and how that, that yeah. didn't work. So now they talk about um, you know, climate emergency. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't address and, that bit, did he? He just said climate change, I think. But yeah, it's yeah. kind of... It, even just picking the right way of describing things makes quite a big difference to how it lands mm-hmm. with people and mm-hmm. what they you know, whether you talk about nature or, or the natural world or mm-hmm. you know, it means different things. Some and if you're in a scientific community there's the appropriate it's way of describing mm-hmm. something and then but that doesn't reach out to most people. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, there's been some interesting mm-hmm. discussions. It was George, George Monbiot, wasn't it, who did a, a piece on, on how we should in, yeah. So he's definitely raised raised it before, but mm-hmm. in the recent weeks, um, the Guardian have sent round an editorial note to all of their contributors, um, basically asking them to reframe or, or not use certain phrases and use others, mm-hmm. uh, really to highlight the the kind of urgency now behind some of. The, so everyone's the, being like, consistent with the wording. Exactly that. Yeah. So that um, that one, it's consistent. Two, then obviously people. Um, can get to understand what those terms mean but it also highlights the fact that we need to be doing something about mm-hmm. it um so yeah so i've got a copy of the memo that was sent bear with me i'll have a quick look and give you some examples um but it's so yeah. they want their writers to be using climate emergency crisis or breakdown instead of climate change mm-hmm. Um, global heating instead of global warming. I think that one it was found that warming is like a it's a, a cozy thing. Yeah. You know, it's a comforting thing. Yeah. It's got a positive connotation. Mm-hmm. Um, use wildlife instead of biodiversity. So that's that point you've just raised, Jay, about biodiversity is a scientific mm-hmm. term. Yeah. If you have that in your um, you know previous experience and you know what that means, then you use it all the time. But obviously, it's quite a um, it's not an easily understandable concept if, if you don't yeah. know what, what the scientific so they've basis become, is. So they've got instead of word that's more relatable. Exactly that. Yeah. yeah. Fish populations instead of fish stocks. So that change is about, you know, seeing the natural world not, world not as a resource for us to take, mm-hmm. but that exists in its own right. Um, and use climate science denier. Or climate denier, which I'm a bit unsure about, okay. to be honest, because we do have climate. <laughs> yeah, I don't think people yeah. are denying we have yeah. climate. Instead of climate sceptic. So, you know, that's... Um, yeah, they should, yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah. Which makes I think sense. they're all good changes, yeah. actually. I agree yeah. with all so that was Catherine Viner, uh, editor-in-chief of The Guardian, who has sent that round to their contributors. So um, I think I'm also right in saying The Guardian have started to um, uh, include a climate... a uh, CO2... Um, 
reading emissions in, in their weather every day, haven't they? In the, yeah. in the okay. newspaper and the online version okay. too. So. Which is, yeah, yeah, putting it at the forefront. Good. I mean, the sort of sceptic thing is something that's mm. been going on for years, isn't it? Because mm. no one's more sceptic about something than a scientist. Mm. You know, they yeah. if they get... A, someone does a really good report, they will try and rip it to pieces. Yeah. That's kind of part of the method. Yes. Um, yeah. So it is a bit weird to call people sceptics mm. when they're... Possibly less of sceptic. I don't know. It's a weird. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense no. to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, and deny all that kind of language. Mm. It's quite. It's really difficult, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To how yeah. you you get how you relate to people and try and get the message across yeah. that you know there's different angles to something. Yeah. Um, I'm just coming up with other words in my head that probably aren't as nice. Actually. <laughs> yeah. but this is a better future podcast, yeah. and I think denier yeah. is a good word. <laughs> and you can see why, you know, mm. I I would love the climate change to be completely wrong and not exist. Mm. Yeah, that would be. Uh, yeah, prove me yeah. wrong. That would be fabulous, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, I watched a really interesting documentary on Netflix, which was about flat earthers, mm-hmm. and they. I, saw that. Um, I mean, it's. It's it's really interesting. I mean, it obviously doesn't paint some of the people in very good light. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of left wondering whether they're just doing it to make money, and they right. found a, a captive audience that they can sell T-shirts and things. Right. But um, what I found quite interesting is they, there was like a NASA scientist at the end doing a sort of comedy set, I guess, best way of putting it, um, and just saying, look, you know, these people are are scientifically minded they're mm. they're trying everything they can to find evidence that supports their hypothesis that this is wrong um so if we could empower them and, and kind of get them to understand that they've got the scientific approach the wrong way around mm. and they should be looking for evidence to prove mm-hmm. that their hypothesis is wrong and not mm-hmm. just look for fragments of it that the amount of effort they put mm. in to being denialists mm-hmm. or you know however you put it um they they'd be incredible resource mm-hmm. that could support you know scientific things mm-hmm. and we and sort of saying you know instead of ridiculing people we need to kind of bring them under our wing and mm-hmm. find a way to kind of go oh really like how's you know yeah let's have a chat about that and try and find ways to to mm-hmm. do it because i mean the flat earth one was quite interesting they had um a scientist basically gave them a really accurate device mm. that could show the rotation of the earth and um they ran an experiment and it showed that there was some rotation of the earth and they so they then put it in a lead box and they were having a barbecue with flat earthers going mm-hmm. and one of them was saying oh what do we do if this still shows that the earth isn't flat mm. and it was this sort of existential crisis moment where they were kind of like I don't know maybe we're wrong mm, yeah. um which was really interesting and that's mm. that's the thought that you need everyone to have all the time mm. about everything presented yeah. in front of them yeah. is mm-hmm. is this wrong is you know am I reading this wrong mm. is this made up news is this you know yeah. having that bit of challenge all the time to mm. kind of because you do mm. read stuff and you go oh that's exactly yeah. what I thought yeah. oh yeah mm-hmm. particularly if it comes from a source or someone or you know, that you have, um, you know, strong feelings about either way, really, whether you think that they generally, you know, mm-hmm. align with your view of the world or not. Yeah. So it's, it's really important to make sure that you are unpicking things. 
Um, one of the, the phrases that gets used quite a lot, I was having a chat to some family members the last couple of days, is um, um, believe the science. Well, I don't believe in science. I don't. I, yeah, science yeah. happens. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of science uh, that uh, makes the world spin and all of the rest of it but i don't necessarily feel like i have to believe in science yeah um so that's always struck me as an odd an odd thing but i think there is an element there of we've gone from when maybe i was a kid and a young young adult that there were experts and we could believe them without too much question yeah through to you know this whole kind of in a way, anti-science, mm. anti-knowledge, anti-intellectualism yeah. Yeah, kind of view of the world. And that, that that's the bit that really quite worries me is that um, with the huge amount of information out there, um, we do need to have, I think children and young people need to be given the chance to hone their critical thinking skills because mm-hmm. this is really what you're talking about yeah. is about being able to sort out information, misinformation, track things back to sources, um, you know, and build a picture. There's nobody... Uh, who's published a scientific paper who's ever gone yeah that's it job done i'm probably right mm-hmm. i don't need to nobody yeah. needs to think about that anymore because that's not the way it works mm. it's a you know it's a slow accumulation of a drip feed of knowledge and then people get stuff wrong and people changing their mind and new things coming to light and you know i think that's often misunderstood by the public at large in, yeah. when we talk about science in as a whole mm. yeah every good mm. scientific paper mm. will say here's the limitations of our research yeah. here's where forever. we didn't think we got this right or mm-hmm. you know there's always something yeah i definitely have used the term i guess i believe in science so when i'm talking to someone that i'm get, mm. maybe getting a bit frustrated with like mm. i say maybe like i'll follow that follow the science you know mm. so yeah it's mm. i I don't know. I might have seen something once before. They, it's, it's, they in, introducing that kind of language mm. is a good way of discrediting science in the mm. first place, isn't it? If you yeah. turn science into a belief system, mm. where you can then say, you know, these climate scientists, they're mm. just, um, you know, obsessed with it. They're, they're believers. They, they've yeah. got this. Mm. It's like a religion kind of thing. You do hear people saying mm. that when they talk about it. Mm. Um, it's a great way to discredit the whole thing. Mm. Um, yeah, because it becomes yeah. a choice, then, doesn't it? That's about yeah. you know your personal worldview. I obviously I work in an industry where we we are always looking at the latest studies and and what is. So I always think I say that's what the science is telling us right now. Yeah, that is my go to saying. But yeah. Mm. yeah. But it's mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it, I mean, you look Seriously. back at history where, you know, um, you know, the whole Halley's comet thing, mm. where, you know, he calculated when the comet would appear, and you know, back then they believed that comets were a sign from God, and mm. then mm. after he died, the comet appeared, mm. bang on when he said it would, and mm. it completely smashed through all of that mm. ideology. But mm. people still, you know, not everyone believed that mm. that was the case. So. Um, you know, that's the kind of difference, mm. isn't it? Mm. You kind of have your best case, best shot yeah. of evidence. And, mm. But it is interesting. I, I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've done the same as you, Corey, and I've mm. kind of gone, well, if you don't believe in science, then throw away your phone mm-hmm. and every single <laughs> bit of technology. Yeah, yeah. In fact, don't even eat any food because mm. that's <laughs> been done through agriculture probably. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's so part of every part of our life, mm. science mm. and research mm. and... 
it is quite scary and you hear people kind of just go, oh, well, yeah, no, people just People made that maybe up. pick and choose a little bit sometimes and I don't think you can do that. That's that confirmation kind of, bias is yeah, absolutely, yeah. you know, well known, isn't it? And we're all guilty of it. It's exactly, whether, we are think, all guilty of it. You know, a big part of that is one, whether you're aware of it or not. Mm-hmm. So you're you're actively trying to make sure that you are aware of that and you're mm-hmm. counteracting it. Um, you know, and I think good old media have a have a huge part to play really on how people are given information or misinformation or you know um things are repeated in in a, in a different way so i applaud the guardian for t- kind of yeah. taking a stance on on trying to think about ways of um helping people understand better mm-hmm. uh, what what their writers and contributors are trying to talk about um hopefully more will follow suit but yeah we shall see but as as we've just proved the conversation in itself is quite a useful one isn't mm-hmm. it because yeah. it opens up mm-hmm. all kinds of because um, i'm sure we all do i do all the time well we we, we had a because it wasn't just the terminology around climate change it was mm. um about nature and wildlife reserves That's and things it. like that because yeah. so me and jay liked the sound of one and you were yeah. like no because and you work yeah. in one and yeah. you had a better yeah. or a different opinion to yeah. ours um yes. so what was what was so the... that was again that was a george monbiot thing and it was mm-hmm. that you know how do we talk about these um spaces that we have and that we have to steward and and um you know look after um so it's a while back now but he was kind of saying you know well what does i work on a nature reserve so i make sure the children know where they've come so they come to swanee lakes nature reserve what does that really mean what does a nature reserve really really mean Mm -hmm. um you know yeah does it does it mean it's reserved does it mean we can't go there does it mean you know what does site of special scientific interest really mean to a member of the general public yeah do you know what i mean when does the word reserve come off often i just think when you reserve a table for dinner or a wildlife reserve where you're expecting lions and cheetahs and stuff yeah yeah. Yeah, or or sort of Um, keep it it's you know reserve something you're kind of keeping it for yourself yeah yeah. um and that's a challenge in ecology and things anyway isn't it um you know so it's all of those kinds of terms how do we talk about those spaces um what does it mean to to to, um denote something as a national park Mm -hmm. you know actually for lots of people who work in and around a national park that would be about conserving the best parts of that particular landscape Mm -hmm. um um, for others the word park automatically um says leisure or yeah. you know yeah. a day out or mm-hmm. that kind of thing so it's important to keep thinking about the terms that we use um and you're never going to get a consensus no um but you can see that a, these things need reviewing you can't yes. name something no. 100 or 50 however many years no. ago and think that it still weighs the same or means exactly. the same mm. that so i think yeah. it's a good thing to be reviewing That's all it. this terminology and i think the main thing really with that argument is the fact that our <clears throat> Green spaces and spaces for wildlife are becoming fewer. They're becoming more fragmented. Mm-hmm. They're becoming um, less full of wildlife. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've got to find a way of, you know, accessing, enjoying, looking after those spaces has got to be absolutely key uh, and, and, and embedded really in everyday life. So the general public, people have to care. People have to, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, know what we mean as a yeah. yeah as an industry and they need to care about those things so it's um yeah there's a lot hanging on what you might call a a particular patch of of green space Mm. really um i'm looking forward to see what what 
there? What's your language? What's your language? <laughs> <laughs> it is every part of the environmental sector, mm-hmm. like waste. Yeah. Some people, you know, resources. Yeah. Resource yeah. management, and it's yeah. not waste management yeah. anymore. Yeah. You can see that across every part of it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, some people talk about buses and getting people into cars, and some yeah. people talk about modal shift which mm-hmm. means nothing to anyone. Um, and you could modally shift from having a bike to driving yeah. a car. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it needs it needs to filter down everywhere to kind of really help people understand mm-hmm. what people are doing. So. And I don't think just down. I think actually decision makers, policy mm. makers, you know, people sitting on local, regional, national, you know, council, government, it, you know, if we want to make really strongly worded um legislation or if we want to change policy then we all need to be talking about the same things when we're using yeah. particular terms yeah. um so that is a challenge it is a challenge but uh, an interesting one yeah okay. yeah so we're at the moment we're on climate emergency yeah we are and then what's next climate crisis is that the next i think either one of those terms i think mm. suggests the same thing i think that as long as it suggests the same rather yeah. than it climate change what does climate change really mm. mean to someone that doesn't it's just changing yeah what yeah. in a good or a bad way yeah it doesn't suggest yeah. that it's whereas uh, yeah. emergency and crisis don't suggest that it could be a good thing yeah so yeah um, and it's and it's but i still say urgency. change there's an uh, there's a you know climate change hasn't climate change is still a thing because mm-hmm. the climate has changed yeah. over a long period yeah. of time yeah so that is still a yeah. thing yeah but what we're experiencing now yeah is is a climate even, emergency even climate though mm. like climate is uh yeah. it's you know, you have to describe what climate means, and it means different things to different yeah. people, doesn't mm. it? Yeah. That going That's back to a, our favourite person on climate uh, is uh, Mr. Trump. You know, he does that classic thing, which lots and lots of people do, is conflate climate and weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've that... got the cleanest climate, which is <laughs> I was <laughs> I was kind of trying to think, and a sort of technical level, clean mm. climate. So you've got a clean thirty years of weather on average. I just <laughs> blew my head. <laughs> when does he not blow people's minds? Mm. It's, um, anyway. Yeah, it's an interesting one. But, it, yeah, it's a challenge. So, yeah, we have to be more careful. Yeah. Maybe we should be checking ourselves as well. Maybe we should. Yeah, yeah. Get our terminology right. Yeah. Stick it on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be a long list. Yeah, yeah it would be a very long list. <laughs> right. oh, yeah, put, put that to rights. <laughs> um, we post this up with... Uh, lots of links, lots of text on the podcast, um, a link through to John, Dawn's um, charity website, hopefully get a few more people on there and find out a bit more about the challenge because it looks very difficult. <laughs> um, and we'll post up some pictures and things yeah. on, on Instagram and yeah, things definitely. like that. So, um, and we'd love to hear from everyone with any questions or anything. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. Okay, well, Thank see you soon. Thank you for listening. <laughs>